This episode of the Sullivan and Son Behind the Bar podcast is brought to you by our good friends over at GoDaddy. And they're friends with Danica Patrick, which is cool because she's because she's really hot. So if you are thinking about starting a new website because maybe you want to do a Sullivan and Son fan site, or maybe you've got a small business idea, you want to sell something, show off your photography, uh, do your own podcast, GoDaddy is offering one new or one transfer of a .com for just $1.99 for the first year. Each new .com comes with a free instant page website and built-in photo album. So basically, it's uh, easy. It's not that hard. And look, who doesn't need a .com today? I have got CalebBacon.com. I recommend it. So to get your website started today, all you have to do is go to GoDaddy.com and enter the code SCHOOL at checkout. That's SCHOOL, S-C-H-O-O-L. Hey, Sullivan and Son fans. Don't forget that Season 2 of Sullivan and Son is back all summer long, only on TBS. Thursday nights, 10 p.m., 9 p.m. Central, only on TBS. And don't forget to check out the Sullivan and Son crew doing stand-up comedy coming to your town. Go to SullivanandSonComedy.com. Upcoming dates include July 30th in San Francisco, California, July 31st in Portland, Oregon, and August 1st through August 3rd in Seattle, Washington. Once again, go to SullivanandSonComedy.com for information on tickets and upcoming dates. Now enjoy the podcast. Welcome to Sullivan Son Behind the Bar, the official podcast of the sitcom Sullivan Son. I'm Caleb Bacon, one of the writers on the show, coming to you live from Warner Brothers Stage 10, Burbank, California. And um, I'm joined by three people who I spent a whole lot of time with who are other writers on the show. Executive producer Howard Morris, good to talk to you. Good to be here. Thanks for coming on the show. Uh, have you done a podcast before? I have never done a podcast. You've been on Good Morning America. I have Good Morning America. Yeah. Uh, You've done other media. I have done other media, but I have never done a pod. I've never talked to the pod people. Before. Okay. Well, they're so here. This is very exciting. So aside from you doing stuff to, uh, well, basically, so you're a television writer, but you've also had some books out. Yes. And so that's what got you on Good Morning America, that sort of thing? Uh, yes, that is true. And I wrote a book called Women Are Crazy, Men Are Stupid. That was a couple years ago. You, uh, yes. Is that still true? Uh, yes, it is still okay. true. Okay. All right. So we've got confirmation. Brenda Shea, hello. Hi. And Brenda, you are one of our producing writers. And uh, you've also worked on such shows as How I Met Your Mother. Yes. Um, I also worked on Oliver Bean. That was a show that Ol- I liked. Oliver Bean. What was that? Um, it's a. It was basically like... Uh, Jewish kid in the 60s growing up. It was kind of got this Wonder Years vibe, but with a Malcolm in the Middle kind of edginess. It was basically like everyone hates Chris except a Jewish kid in the 60s instead of a black kid in the 80s. So I can't tell if this is a funny show or the most dramatic thing of all time. No, it's funny. It was a funny show. What channel is that on? It was on Fox, but uh, it was very short-lived. It was my first show. It was fun. It does have short-lived, but How I Met Your Mother, that thing's still going. That thing is still going, and I think they are finally revealing the mother and all that, so that's very exciting. Well, you left them in such good shape that they just took it from there. Exactly. I also got Zach Shake here. Yes, you did. All the way way from England. Yeah, Zach's better than all of us because he just sounds so much he's better. He's going to sound a lot smarter because he has a British accent. I'm not actually any smarter, but... No, no, no. But In fact, just... I can vouch for that. He's actually dumber, yeah, but it's but just, it sounds so good every time he opens his mouth. Now, today we're shooting our last show of season two called Reunited, which uh, I think when people watch the show, it'll just be referred to as the karaoke episode. 
because we do have a lot of karaoke in this episode and some surprises, which I think is, which I think is fun. You yeah. guys, do you guys do karaoke? Uh, you know, uh, what I heard actually is that Rod, our prop guy, uh, has installed like 6,000 songs. So, uh, after a few drinks, perhaps later tonight. Okay, our party, yeah, could be pretty big with all those songs. Yeah. Um, uh, being an Asian, it is in, supposed to be in my blood to karaoke, but I actually am not a very good karaoke artist. I can't I have, see it, yeah. yeah I, can't I, see just, you I don't have the, the singing voice, <laughs> and so it just is not going to happen. Right, so you're operating under the premise that you need a singing voice for karaoke? I mean, a lot of it's commitment. Like, if you just really, like, yeah. belt it out, I think you can really make it, sell it and make it funny, but yep. I know I just sound bad. So, Brenda, as a Chinese-American, yeah. Is that does that mean you're less inclined to karaoke than the Korean Americans? I don't know if the Chinese I mean the Chinese love it. Like my dad literally like he was he has a whole setup. He 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 bought this thing to record tracks. He was gonna learn like I was like, tracks, what other tracks? He was gonna learn how to play the guitar, but then it was hurting his fingers, like it's a whole thing. And actually it was so funny because actually uh, my college interview, my dad drove me because I was a lame-o that didn't have a driver's license and uh, he had a weight. And and the woman was like, this is for college, and so she was like, oh, your dad can wait in the in the house while we like I, we'll go into the study. And my dad wanted to practice his Chinese karaoke song, and so he had it on loop in his car, and that's what he wanted to do for the full hour. Was it in Chinese? Yeah, in, in Chinese. My, in my and this is what whenever we drove in that car, it was this one Chinese song on loop because he was learning it. <laughs> to sing it really well and uh, and so he didn't want to sit in the living room he wanted to sit in the car and listen, and practice singing to this karaoke song and so the woman was like you just want to sit in the car for now Why, wouldn't you just rather be more comfortable in the living room and she kept insisting and insisting and I finally I was like he wants to learn his karaoke song let, let him, I just had to come out and say but he's learning his karaoke song in Chinese who yeah. is he performing that to where in a, where? He was, he's in a there's a circuit there's like a Chinese karaoke there's a Chinese circuit, circuit in wow all his, uh, when you asked this question I had no idea yeah. That oh, this geez. answer was coming, but yeah. it explains a lot about you. <laughs> I feel like, I mean, I've sat in the room for two years now with Brenda, and I feel like I'm finally starting to understand you. You yeah, did not yeah. know karaoke ruined her life. It didn't ruin my life, but it definitely, oh, it, for, like it. it was definitely like my dad is obsessive, and that was one of his um, obsessions with karaoke. And so, um, I mean, he's still in two different karaoke mm. groups. Like in in Vegas, these Chinese karaoke groups. Zach, wow. did you do karaoke at all in England? Yeah, yeah, we we did karaoke. We, be, the reason we do karaoke is because we ch- tend to get drunk, and that's when you can do karaoke. Mm-hmm. Is when we're obliterated. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they, and you guys are British, so you drink every night, pretty much, and so then <laughs> yeah. therefore we're prepared. Um, but we don't take it very seriously. Um, we just do songs like George Michael, Faith, and uh, that's serious. <laughs> that was hard. That's like, know, we got. Or Sinatra, my way. <laughs> now let's talk about the episodes of Sullivan Son you guys wrote. Howard, you've written, I would say, the most of this group here. Uh, could be. Uh, three, I think. I think so. Well, well look, we were only a show with 20 episodes. Three yeah, is uh, it's, uh, yeah. it's like half or some <laughs> yeah, other number. Exactly. This year you did Acceptance, which was the big dating episode where yeah. Steve dates the girl who's selling this, or marketing, I'm sorry, the cigarettes to the kids in third world countries. And what else? You, do you uh, remember? Yeah. Well, uh, I did an episode that was supposed to be for our executive producer, Vince Vaughn. Uh, and right. I wrote a part for Vince. Uh, and I have to say, Hank, having been with Vince, uh, I felt like I really got his rhythms down. Yeah, you could, you could um, really channel him. And I sort of channeled him, and uh, unfortunately, he couldn't do it. So it turned out to be, it actually turned out to be a very funny Fifth episode. Fifth Musketeer with Chris D'Elia. That's right. It turned out to be a very funny episode anyways, but it was originally written for Vince. And Chris had some sh- struggles trying to get those long monologues. Yeah, because Vince talks about like 300 words per second. 
uh, when he wants to. And so I sort of channeled that, and it's sort of very entertaining, uh, as we all know. And uh, so, um, but that turned out great. I, I actually really like the episode. And then I did the one about Owen's father. Oh, that's right, which uh, we called Who's Your Daddy? Yes. A lot of heart in that one. <laughs> yeah, and there was a lot of heart. Yeah, that's right, with the so. Dark Tournament back in season one. I would say Howard's episodes have something's in common, a lot of heart and hot chicks. Oh, well, that is hot chicks. Yeah. You know something? Hot chicks. That, that's my whole <laughs> That's what I'm about, heart and hot chicks. In fact, that's my autobiography. <laughs> Maybe that'll get you on Good Morning America next. I know. That I, th- be... I thought it was Sweat the Small Stuff. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, right. Sweat the... Right, we talked about that once, that my autobiography should be sweat the small stuff. As opposed to don't sweat the small stuff, actually sweat the small stuff. Now, Jewish television writers are known for a little bit of neuroses, so sure, that sounds appropriate, sweat the small stuff. I know, it's kind of crazy. I'm the only Jew in the room, actually. Uh, what's we, happened to yeah, television what's in America? To television? <laughs> used to be all of us. It's a little more United Nations-y in the room currently. Now, Zach, you wrote Ladies' Night, which was another episode which featured a lot of hot chicks. Uh, Less heart, though. You left that for Howard. Yeah, there was not very much heart in Ladies' Night. It was, in fact, about a player who was pretending to be a douchebag, pretending to be uh, an Indian guy. Um, Very complicated, yeah, with with Kunal Nair from Big Bang Theory. That's right. And it was a great, it turned out to be a great episode. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was a lot of fun. It, it was, was actually quite a challenge for him because he got to um, had to switch between these accents. That's right. Yeah, he was no longer Raj from from Big Bang, and um, but he loved it. I was, was just saw him the other night at the, at the rap party, and he was he was like wants to come back. He it was, it was a great chance for him to you know express his chops. Yeah, yeah, and and you know when you're on a big hit show like that, it's the best thing in the world. But when you have such an extreme character like he has, people think that's all you can do, and so. Um, Often we yeah. tried to get people to do some other stuff on our show. It was interesting reading the tweets actually, and when when the show came on, because some people were like, "Oh my god, Raj is a ladies' man. What's happened? The <laughs> yeah, whole life just turned upside mind. down." Yeah, right. Yeah, I had friends. And, co- and there's oh, but there's a, there's a problem there because he's not really Raj. He's not Raj, exactly. and yet people don't seem to understand. In real life, he's literally married to Miss India. Yeah, yeah. he yeah. is. In he real is. Life. Uh, he's uh, by the way a very nice guy. Yeah, uh, extremely accessible and nice, and but he's married to Miss India, so he's not exactly does not have trouble getting the ladies. Yeah, I think he was very psyched to be like to show America that he's like, yeah. hey, I'm I I am yeah. stud. Yeah. I get yeah, I get chicks. That's yeah. cool. Yeah. Well, like Zach said on Twitter, like I read it too. A lot of people were just like, oh my God, Raj is a different guy. So that must have been a good experience for him. Yeah, mm. for yeah. sure. Yeah, and it's fun for us to get to get to you know play around with that as well. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, uh, Zach and I always are, we're constantly pitching this idea, and it may happen hopefully next season, <laughs> if there is one, um, about a, a girl who has an Asian fetish. Because, like, so typically there's a, like, a white guy has an sure, Asian fetish, yeah. and to see, like, so a, many a, men see a white There's a crass term, is yellow fever. Yeah, I've never said I've never heard that term, Caleb. <laughs> I'm going to walk out now. <laughs> I'm, yeah, we, we, I'm, we are, I think, all familiar with that phenomenon. Uh, and so we just wanted to see the reverse, where there's a white chick that's, like, super fetishizing an Asian dude, yeah. Steve Byrne. Yeah, I don't think Steve's ever met a girl like that, but uh, yeah, <laughs> he would pretty, like to. Yeah, he sounds like he's met some interesting ladies in his travels, though, when you're at all these comedy clubs and people are drinking in all sorts of places. I'm sure. Yeah. He's got some stories. I wonder if he has that story. Yeah. Now, Brenda, let's talk about your episodes. Um, I think, so from first season, I did a story that was uh, a big, involved the whole bar. It was just basically the bar shuts down. and The bribe. Then it becomes, yeah, a speakeasy, basically. And it's ultimately between 
Oaksha's character and Steve, and um, it was really fun. I mean, I I personally love writing for the show because of Oaksha and that character and the Asian. I mean, yeah, it's like you know I can pull from my own life and like having like a crazy intense Asian mom and like you know being able to use that. And that and I, I don't al- think there's. I like- also feel like your episodes always open the season. <laughs> yeah, it's mm. weird, right? <laughs> yeah. It's kind of strange that way. But no, and it is like I think it's cool because there isn't really a voice like that on TV, like the, the like that Asian crazy the dragon lady tiger mom yeah now uh, how she's probably more extreme as well in terms of different to who she is in real life than probably anybody else yeah I always tell people that I always say no 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 she's uh, Jodie Long who plays Okja is a very beautiful woman she is looks considerably younger than the character yeah. she plays on television and when she takes her hair down it's a whole yeah, and she has um, a different accent she's very sweet yeah she has no accent well yeah. I mean no uh, Asian accent yeah. Right, she's an American accent. So, yeah. Brenda, how accurate would you say the portrayal of the Asian mom is on the show? Um, I mean, it's funny because it's it's kind of like a, a, a crazy, intense Asian mom, but it's also a little bit like Rob Long's voice. Because, you <laughs> yeah. know, politically, yeah, yeah. it is yeah, uh, ideologically, it is, a, it is yeah. a combination you know, of crazy Asian mom tough and, love. and Rob Long. And Rob Long, who is, like, of course, so, which, is, which is interesting. I mean, I, I will say my mom was a crazy mom, crazy Asian mom in some ways, but also I think I had a very atypical experience because she was super weirdly hands-off and kind of like doing her own thing like so that's not yeah, no, she's not a. She wasn't making you learn violin at age three. Yeah, she, she. I mean, they did. I mean, obviously, oh. I mean, they, 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 they were like, they were like, made me learn violin and piano. But after a couple of years, they were like, you kind of suck and you can stop because it's bad. And uh, and I because you're a girl. I, right. I don't know. I mean, normally they would have just. But like, the nice thing them. is that they were sweet about it. They said, "You suck. Yeah, yeah. You should stop." They're like, "This is, sounds bad. This is yeah. this is bad. We don't want to hear this anymore." So, so that's the best thing you could hear is you suck because that means you're like, "Oh, I get free time now." Yeah, I was like, "Sweet, yeah, I agreed." I was like, "I'm bad. I don't want to do this anymore." So yeah, it all worked out actually. So. Now, were you, were you around like other Asian peers who did not have that experience? Yes, obviously. A lot of my Asian friends have the typical Asian tiger mom who is constantly making them do extra homework and do all this other stuff and things like that. So I definitely uh, see that a lot. And we, we touched on that a little bit as well this season in the episode with Ken, Ken Jong. Yeah. That ho- that mm-hmm. whole idea of like pushing your pushing kids. your kids too far, yeah. right? In the very Edward Oaks making the kid play the piano and do his times tables yeah. exactly yeah. at exactly. the same time. Now. Uh, so Zach, you are of uh, in, what is it? Indian, Indian extraction? Yeah, sure. Yeah, my dad's Indian. Um, my mum, my mum's actually Pakistani originally, but she grew up in England. She's pretty English. Well, you're pretty English too. Yes, I am. Yes, yeah. you are extremely <laughs> English. Yeah, that's true. He's drinking tea. I, I drink yeah, tea. And, and, right now. And the tea with the milk. <laughs> yeah, he's yeah. gotta he's have it at four PG o'clock tips. every four day. O'clock, that's right. You're the four o'clock pickle, but you don't have that anymore now. Yeah, I know. We used to have the four o'clock pickle. That yeah. was good. We'll know. talk about food in the writer's room in just a <laughs> Oh, no, I can't wait. That's, that's I can't wait to talk important. about that. Uh, so, Zach, so when you were yeah. writing the words for, for Kunal, yeah. uh, what sort of Indian influence did you try, did you try and throw in there? Um, my dad was in there for, for certain, or just and Indian voices that I've heard growing up, you know, for, uh, from family and, from, and kids as well that I grew up in. I mean, the word Punani was used in that episode. Let's talk about that. <laughs> Let's talk about your pride in Punani. <laughs> pride in Punani. No, because I'd hear the origins of Punani is actually it's a Jamaican word. Oh. <laughs> yeah. And so you'd get these Indian kids that were really into like being being black growing oh. up in London. We have white people that do that. Yeah, exactly. So you, it was a weird phenomenon. Um, and Ali G actually was an example of a guy. I was just that's where I heard it yeah, for the he, first time. Yeah. yeah, he did that. And, that's, and that was sort of the rise of the Punani. <laughs> and what does Punani mean for those who don't know? 
um, a lady's vagine. <laughs> <laughs> that was very well. See, let me say, thank God you asked the, the British guy. Yeah. <laughs> because the way he said it was so beautiful. And sophisticated. And sophisticated. <laughs> I feel like, I feel like it's, so crass I feel like it's raised it. the podcast to a, a new level. <laughs> now, Howard, as a Jewish-American character, yes. you didn't have anybody to write for. You know? I know, it's crazy. Yeah. Uh, but somehow there's enough relatability in all of these characters. Um, what I always find so interesting about this show is it's it's very politically incorrect. However, we're the only show that is ethnically mixed on television. I know, and where we and have believably true. ethnically and mixed. believably yeah. ethnically because they are believable. They are actual I mean, friends, I mean, like ex- Ahmed right, and Roy right. and all those guys. All are the young friends. guys. I'm sure you know That's Steve true. is is Asian and Irish. Uh, you know his best friends are Owen and Roy and Ahmed, all of which are on the show. And uh, and just all the the Asian women, and it's just characters you do not see on television. It's it's insane that more shows are not like this, um, since the way our country is. Um, it's quite surprising, isn't it? It's actually? quite yeah, surprising. Yeah. It, it really and it is, is funny because it's like it's when you watch shocking, like yeah. shows like Happy Ending or whatever, and you know, there's like the one black guy, and you're like, it, it doesn't feel like it just seems like oh they, the obligatory ethnic person or right. whatever like that. Right. And right. On, on our show, it does seem super organic and believable, and that's right. What makes and that's it and that was the irony, and that's why we can say things that nobody else can say because we're not, you know, it's 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 all to people's faces, and it's mm-hmm. all out there, which is what I love about the show. It's, actually. It can't be racist because you're doing it, saying it with love because I'm saying it to you, I'm being honest about it. <laughs> yeah, and it's, I mean, it's, uh, so that's, uh, so I think, um, and we've had certainly jokes about uh, Jews also. We, everyone, <laughs> everyone comes in for Everyone's it. a fair target. Uh, everyone is a fair target, but also everybody's friends. So yeah. um, I think that, and I think I also like how we're not only like mul- like multiracial, but we are like multi generational. Like yeah. you know, like yeah, that's, that's also about Han- Hank is such unique. a great character. For like that. Hank is so funny. Christine is so funny. It's just like, just like uh, it's good to see that. Like you just don't see that mix of. of you yeah. get a chance to write for you know the family that's the actual family, which is Steve's family, and then the family of friends. Yeah. Right. Now, Howard, you wrote on Home Improvement, which was the I number did. one show in America. It was. Can you do a, a Tim Tal? Tim Allen Grunt. Uh, yeah. Well, the, my favorite of, <laughs> of the grunts. Yeah. Okay. Oh my God! There's a whole repertoire. There is a whole repertoire because we yeah. used to write in the script the way he grunt, grunted. Excuse me. And uh, my favorite was the questioning grunt when he didn't understand something. How did you write it in the script? Like you it, said, there questioning a... grunt. Oh really? Literally. <laughs> in was the, it in, in the, the dialogue? In the parenthetical. In the parenthetical, it'd be uh, you know questioning grunt. It'd be. Uh, <laughs> and that was my favorite. And then there was like when he was really happy, or or, 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 or like actually after his wife told him something and he, he understood it. That was, or, 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 or. but uh, the or, that was my favorite. That one's very Scooby Doo. Yeah, and that one. I the last one. The first one was better. <laughs> so would you write something in the script like a happy grunt and, he, and he'd be yes. like, uh, no, yes. how do I play this? Rah, rah, rah. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Did he wonder how to do it? Or? Uh, no, no, no. no he, he, he came knew. up with the grunts. He, right. Okay. He was the grunter. That was his whole act. Was <laughs> right. Well, not his whole. I act, wonder how 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 subtle and sophisticated and nuanced he could be about it. Like like you like optimistically questioning. Grunt. He was. He, <laughs> like, he, I want all those shades in that grunt. So did he come in and pitch it to you? Say I've, I've got this grunt no, idea. No, 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 no. He he. The show was based on. It was created by Matt Williams and Carmen Finestra and David McFadden, and um, it was based on his stand-up. Uh, right. So and his stand, it Tim Allen's got this one special that if you watch it, you're like, oh, this is the template for home improvement. Absolutely, right. yeah, absolutely. And um, and they picked up on it, and they uh, they did a great job, obviously. 
Um, and so the grunts were in that show. And the grunts were, yeah, part of his act. Right. And right. then it became, but then it became very, I mean, we really did use him for everything. So, <laughs> so, so. Now for us, it's literally almost lunchtime. And for television writers, there's a very special place lunch has. Um, I, I don't even know where to start with explaining it. Howard, you have a, a great, great passion for food. Um, hey, by the way, Kaylee, we yes. are present with two key people in the world of Solomon's Son food. Yes, which is very true. The person in charge of the spread. Yeah, Howard picks, our, picks out our dinner locations. Yeah. Yes, I. Um, I just have to explain. I. You know, Rob, who is, uh, you know, our fearless leader and created Sullivan and Son, uh, I never knew in the beginning of the show, like, when we were going to eat dinner. And some, you know, quite often we stay late. And it, it caused me a lot of anxiety because I was like, it would be 630, then it'd be quarter or seven. I'm like, are we going to order? Because if we order, that's going to take an hour. Because for and our job, we finish when we're done. <laughs> we finish when and we're we done. We don't always we know when we're going to be done. Every day for the actors the next morning. And uh, so Rob just made it. Uh, in a brilliant bit of show running, he said, you're, you're ordering dinner. And uh, so I've sort of become the spread king. Cause, yeah, because by the way, that conversation of where do we go eat uh, uh, could, can be, take could hours. be hours. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And Especially pe- with us. Pe- feelings get hurt. You know, yeah, pe- it's, people it's, call other people names. There's judgments at the end. And, <laughs> and also, have, and then, but the thing is, the brilliance of our system, where I order from a restaurant and get a bunch of stuff for everybody, is you don't, you don't, you don't have to make all these decisions all the time. Right. You know, because for lunch we all like you know a, a place is picked and then we all make our own decisions for what dish to order. But you are the spread king, and so he arranges a spread, large and it's platters, a, like a family style yeah. situation. So yeah, everyone and it's, can uh, it's been good. But partake. we it is any writer's room. I don't know why lunch is so important. It I, just you know, I is. heard one explanation I thought was especially great. Like uh, being in a writer's room all day is like a you're flying to Australia. Like it's that amount of time. And you can't do other stuff. So the one thing you have to look look forward to is is your lunch. Like that's the one Their time when like life comes alive. <laughs> yeah. and for some reason, we obsess about it so much. There's also the fact that it's just fuel. It just keeps you like going. Yeah. To look forward yeah, to exactly. it. Because we talk it. about like, oh, let's fuel up, guys. <laughs> this is going to really power our rewrite. That's right. But yeah. it is true. I mean, being in a writer's room is like it's like jury duty. It's unlike most work, you know, experiences where you go to your office for part of the day and then you have meetings. You're basically in a meeting. Yeah, all you're day basically. Long. Yeah. I mean, yeah. in fact, in any show I've ever been on, and I've been on two shows for four years at a time, and uh, uh, I've never decorated my office. You're not in the office long enough for any particular reason. Yeah. You're always in the writer's right. room. It's, you know, I don't know how much you've talked about this before, but it's a very communal experience writing comedy, uh, television comedy. Yeah, in super America. collaborative. Yeah. And so we all do it together. We're, except when we're doing drafts, we're all together all the time. It's probably the most in, in any form of in any form of writing. I mean, I was writing features before this, and it's, that's unbelievably solo. You know, you are left alone. And this is unbelievably together. It's always, it's always together. <laughs> it's, it's wonderful for that. Yeah. I mean, we all know about all each other's health issues. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I mean, you spend a lot of time oh, with we know everything. Now, Howard, what would you say is one misconception that people have about what it's like to write comedy? Um, well, uh, we always joke about this. Some people think that individual writers write for individual characters, which yeah. makes no like, sense. Yeah. Like, I only like, write Oak like, yeah. like, you know, here's our Asian woman. Okay. She writes Oak okay, yeah. You know, uh, it, it doesn't, it wouldn't work that way. We tell stories and we tell stories about all these characters. When you read a book, you know, or when you see a movie, that writer wrote all the characters because it's about 
the story and we know the voices. Now, there are people who write certain voices better. And there are actors who, you know, like we've had a lot of success with stories with Okja and her daughter, you know, when we put them together. Yeah. Vivian Bang, who plays... Um, Susan. Susan. Yeah. I forgot the character's <laughs> name. I remember Vivian's name, but not the character. Uh, and, uh, you know, so there's thir- certain things that people do well or cer- certain certain stories they tell well, but it's, it, you know, we have to write them all. You can't just yeah. write one. Yeah. Now, Zach, you being from mostly feature films, mm-hmm. uh, what's the biggest difference between TV and features for you? The thing gets made. Yeah. yeah it's actually uh, produced. It's actually yeah. produced. And not only that, it's on television sometimes a week and a half later. I mean, with my as, episode... As it was, it was with it, your yeah, episode. It was, yeah, it was turned around in like 10 days. It's yeah. unbelievable. It's such a high. And so you can make plenty... I mean, a lot of people, yourself included, you know, you make a good living from just selling a script yep. that doesn't actually become a film. Yeah. So what's the feeling like for you being like, oh, here's my thing that's alive and now people can watch it on that square box? You know... Th- Rob had a great line, which is for forever now lodged in my head, which he said once in the in the writers' room. And this I, th- I thought was so educational. He said, "We're not write, writing scripts; we're making a television show." And for me, that said it all because it was all about you got to see it on its feet. It's got to move away from this thing that's just on the page. Right. And that I thought was that's what it's all about. Sure. It. Yeah, and it changes right. a lot when it you changes so much. Yeah. Yeah, actually, that's Howard actually taught me that. It's like, we have many chances to change something, so don't freak out. Like, you know, if you- I always tell Brenda, it's Monday. Yeah. It's like, you know, I mean, when we were on a Monday through Friday schedule, now we're on a slightly different schedule, but it's like the show that you read on Monday morning is going to be very different from the show you shoot on Friday night. And, and there's a sort of checks and balances to the process. And the actors have to do their process and the executives have to weigh in. And so mm-hmm. you don't, you can't get too attached to anything and you have to be sort of very fluid. Um, but so also if you feel like something is, isn't working, like right. Th- there's several chances, chances to, to get it right. Yeah. It's a chance to change that and make it better. And, and it usually does. I, I feel like the process works well in the sense that it does get better each, each Definitely. time. Yeah. Brenda, do you have a favorite joke from season two? From season two? God, what is, uh, or I, season one? I don't know. What is my favorite joke? There was, um, I don't know, guys. Do you have favorite wow, jokes? That's, a, that's, that's a, so oh, that's, hard. Yeah, I mean, this all so we do is come up with jokes all day long. <laughs> I have to say, I do love. Uh, just recently, we're doing the reunited uh, that the karaoke competition. I do love the runner of just uh, Hank being the the superstar that's just been like passed over and is so yeah. super bitter about yeah. it. And, that is funny. Like yeah. that that attitude is was really funny, and we kind of stumbled upon it, and it was just like uh, that one makes me laugh every time. And also the the process is it's so funny you ask that because that's a real stumper I, yeah. like i cannot and and we do write jokes all all day and i after we write them and they're in or they're out then they or they get changed and i literally forget who said what and you know i don't have any recollection of that at dinner last night somebody brought up a joke that i wrote that actually didn't make the final version of the show but it's like we still, so we'll still talk about things that, yeah like, they don't, they're aren't that, even in the show that joke? yeah yeah <laughs> and then by the time we actually if you watch the show on the air it's like Oh, that's right. These are the jokes yeah, that we well, did. Can we steal a joke that never made it? Yeah, <laughs> you know? exactly. Oh, we got someone on the door. Now, the the Sullivan and Son Comedy Tour is going all across America this summer. Roy Wood Jr., Steve Byrne, Ahmed Ahmed, Owen Benjamin. 30 cities, I heard. Uh, yeah, wow. it's a lot. Of, 30 cities, and it ends the day that our, our season finale. 
comes on the air. It's a fun show. I mean, we've we've all definitely enjoyed those shows. Yeah. Now, I'm going to give away two tickets for one listener to the Sullivan & Son podcast who can answer one trivia question on Sullivan & Son, which you guys are going to come up with. And then they'll tweet me at Caleb Eats Bacon, C-A-L-E-B, Eats Bacon, on Twitter. First person to tell me the answer to the question that you guys are about to come up with gets two tickets to the Sullivan & Son store. Right now, we have to come up with Yes, in their city. And it has to be Sullivan Sun trivia related yeah. question. Something like, what does Susan's husband do? Okay. Uh, oh, that's yeah. a great good. question. Yeah. Good, Zach. <laughs> Susan's husband on the first episode of season two was played by Ken Jong, the famous actor who's actually in real life a doctor. But so the question is, what was his position on Sullivan and Son as, a, as Susan's husband? Tweet me at Caleb Beats Bacon. Howard Morris, Zach Shake, Brenda Shake. Want to, want to thank you guys very much. We've had such a fun season. You guys are all hilarious. It's been fun working with you all. But come on, lunch is here. What are we doing? Oh, let's get out of here. Smokehouse. Lunch. Yeah, gotta go. Bye. Bye bye. Thank you for listening, Sullivan and Son fans. Don't forget to keep watching Sullivan and Son every Thursday night, 10 p.m., 9 p.m. Central, only on TBS, all summer long. And please check out the Sullivan and Son Comedy Tour coming to a town near you. Go to SullivanandSonComedy.com for information on tickets and tour dates. And also, don't forget to tweet your answer to the question of the week for a chance for two tickets to the Sullivan and Son Comedy Tour. Just tweet your answer to Caleb Eats Bacon on Twitter. That's Caleb Eats Bacon. Thanks again, and we'll see you next week.